1: the last movie of one of the greatest trilogies of all time released in theaters across America. This was, of course, The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. And let's just say there was great adversity to overcome for the heroes of this story. And they had much of what this week's guest talks about in his interview to overcome these obstacles. Oh, yeah. 2003 was also important for this week's guest because this is when he heard his name called at the NFL Draft.
0: Welcome to the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. Your host is Arnie Chapman. Football is his passion, and he wants you to come along with him to explore the yesteryear of the
1: gridiron. So hop on board his DeLorean. Let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. Great Scott. This time, as we step up the DeLorean, the date is April 26, 2003. And we're sitting here watching the draft, the NFL draft, unfold all over again. Carson Palmer is taken first overall by the Cincinnati Bengals. Then, local legend, at least near where I grew up, that is, Charles Rogers gets drafted second overall to the Detroit Lions from Michigan State University. Now, many fans were excited for this homegrown feeling in the state. I can't specifically recall how I felt, though, because even though I wasn't really huge into college back then either, like I'm not as big as into now, I would say that my aunt kind of swayed me to more of the Maize Blue side of things. But looking back at it, though, it didn't turn out too well. Number three overall, yeah, that was Andre Johnson, potential Hall of Fame wide receiver. Long time for the Houston Texans. So let's just say the Lions whiffed again. Just imagine, four years later, if the Lions still took a wide receiver at number two, we might be looking at the Towers of Johnson or the Twin Towers of Johnson, whatever you want to say. Megatron and Andre Johnson, whew, that would have been an unstoppable force of a duo for defenses in a scary proposition for years to come. However, It didn't happen, and that's not why I'm here today. But there is another player that came from this draft class of 2003. His name is Marcus Ogden. Now, he played for five years in the league as an offensive lineman. And yes, the Ogden name and the Hall of Fame kind of go hand in hand, and you may have heard of his brother. He was the first ever draft pick for the Baltimore Ravens, Jonathan Ogden. So it's kind of cool because I get to talk about my second favorite team for most of my life, and also my favorite team... A little bit in the middle, which there's a part in here, the second DeLorean question, I'll give you a hint, where I wish this was video because if you would have been able to see it, and you're going to know why maybe if you've been a listener to the show, where I'm just sitting there mad dog fist pumping in the air, and I'll let you just guess what that is. Maybe email me if you figure it out. But back to Marcus. Here's a little bio for Mr. Ogden from his website. Growing up in a single-parent home with a father that inspired perseverance and fairness, Marcus Ogden learned how to define his values and set his goals. Ogden attended Howard University from 1998 to 2002, where he played Division I football. He then followed his dream in his brother Jonathan's footsteps, eventually getting drafted in the NFL in 2003. Overall, he played for five years as an offensive lineman with the Titans, Bills, Ravens, and Jaguars. Even during the offseason, Ogden helped train football players in Europe, both physically and mentally. And with this going to be kind of a common theme here in this interview, you're going to hear about more from that mentally side of things. And speaking of the interview, you're going to hear multiple times how Marcus had to overcome some obstacles, low points, whatever you want to call it in his life and career, and be able to draw on these stories to ultimately be able to help people in his current career, which is as a business. And a life coach, also an international keynote speaker. Now, if you're interested in learning about Marcus and his work, head over to his website, which is at marcusogden.com. That's M A R Q U E S O G D E N.com. And again, of course, we're going to have links to marcusogden.com over in the show notes for you. But for now, let's get right into this what we're going to call the spoiled milk moment with Marcus. Ogden. right so let's go ahead and just start right there with that spoiled milk moment that you had
0: so in 2013 i was working as a custodian in downtown raleigh after losing my eight-figure year business after losing my home both my cars filing a complete chapter seven bankruptcy and when i was working as the custodian to take care of my family I was really just in a position where I felt deflated. I felt beat down from an NFL athlete to an eighth year, uh, a year construction company owner to then a, you know, a broke, bankrupt, making $8 and 25 cents an hour custodian. And when my rock bottom spoiled milk moment happened, Arnie, that was my wake up call. I was taking out the garbage and somebody oiled milk, nasty, rotten meat that was in their garbage, got over my body, my skin, my clothes. And that was my wake up call, Arnie, that plunged me forward to get my life back on track to where I'm at today.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I talked about that at the intro here to your show too. And I mean, just thinking about the stuff that people go through in life. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw my thing yet, but here's a DeLorean. I don't know if you can catch that in the video here. Oh, yeah. So I you're,
0: you're going <laughs> to the, back to the future.
1: All righty. We're going back in time. We're going to get that baby up to 88 miles per hour a couple of times throughout this show back and forward. And the first thing I wanted to do, let's take you back to back to your playing days as maybe a kid in high school or even earlier. Did you have a spoiled milk moment that kind of that reset your priorities back then that you can remember?
0: Absolutely, Arnie. I remember I was 15 years old, going to my junior football season in high school, and I was about to quit playing football. Now, I wasn't starting on offense, which kind of ticked me off. And then at defense, we hadn't gotten to that yet. But to make it worse, Arnie, my brother was draft number four overall by the Baltimore Ravens that year, 1996. So when I wasn't starting on offense, I remember coming home and telling my father, Dad, I'm quitting football. My coach doesn't like me. He doesn't think I'm any good, yada, yada, yada. And I was a big kid, probably six, two and a half, you know, you know, 275, 280. And I was a big, big boy. But my dad said, Marcus, look, here's what's going to happen. If you quit today, you're going to feel phenomenal. You're going to feel like you're on top of the world. You're going to feel, yep, I did that coaching. Now I've quit and he doesn't have me on this team. The problem is, Marcus, a year from now, two years from now, 10 years from now, and so on, you're going to always live your life with regrets because you'll never know how good you could have been at football if you quit. you're never going to reach any type of potential, none. Because if you're quitting, you're not playing. If you're not playing, you're not getting better. If you're not getting better, you're going to live your life with regrets. So I remember my dad saying, Marcus, the choice is yours. I'm going to love you and be your dad regardless. But if you quit playing football tomorrow morning, there's no going back. You're not going to say the next day, I want to go back. I'm not going to go through this wishy-washy with you. Either you go play or you quit and you're done. Went up that night, went to sleep, came down that next morning. I said, Dad, get in the car, go into practice. And the funny thing was, Arnie, I was going to be starting on defense, but we hadn't gotten there yet. So my coach said, "Okay, Marcus, you want to not show up because you're Mr. Hotshot? You're now on the second team. If you want to be a starter on defense, you have to work your way back up to the top. And that's what I did.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting. One of the questions I was going to ask was, growing up, did you, because you were the, had that span from your brother, like you said, with, you know, getting drafted at number four, did you have that almost like, hey, my big bro just got drafted, I'm automatically a shoe in, but it sounds like you had like the opposite, you almost were done with it at that point. Yeah, I
0: was so I was so frustrated, man. I was like, you don't want to start me on offense, because again, you know, I had always been playing both sides of the ball, right? Offensive line, defensive line. So, Being a junior now in the varsity, it was like, wow, it's a new little bit of world for me. And to make it even more difficult, Arnie, my conference is one of the most difficult in the country. We have St. John's, DeMatha, where, you know, Chase Young went to high school, you know, uh, Dwayne Haskins, you know, those guys. And you've got Good Counsel, you've got Gonzaga, you know, you've got all these powerhouse football programs. I I think, Arnie, from... My senior class, like the entire class of the league, eight or nine of us went to the NFL. Eight or nine of us went to the NFL. Brian Westbrook was in there. He went, of course, went to the Eagles. John Day Owens went to uh, Chicago Bears. Zach Hilton was a tight end who went to the Saints. Marvin Brown was a fullback who went to the Ravens. I mean, you had some phenomenal football players that played college football and NFL football that were in my, you know, my entire league graduating class.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a lot of, like you said, players that that moved on. I mean, for you going into Howard University, what was that transition like? At the point where you weren't going to play anymore, did you get a scholarship or was it you just walked on or?
0: Great question. I got a full scholarship. That was my only scholarship offer was Howard. My dad was a Howard Bison football player as well, played from 1969, 1972. You know, his class is one of the first, if not the first, to receive scholarships. So for me, being a full scholarship athlete at Howard was amazing because great football program and institutions in a great institution of higher learning, I had a ball. And I remember I was having a lot of trouble my first year at Howard academically and athletically. And I remember my dad saying, Marcus, remember how it was two years ago when you were a junior. This is now college football. You're 17 years old playing against people that are 20, 21, 22 years old or older. You're going to have struggles. But the struggle I will not accept is in the classroom from lack of effort. And he almost pulled me out of Howard I'm not gonna allow you to waste $125,000, five year scholarship, 25 grand a year, for 125,000 of Howard's money because you don't wanna do your work. Either ship up, go to class and fix this or come home, get a job and it's over. And again, my dad checked me again and I got in line, finished like a 3.8 in my major, 3.5 overall. And again, I'm the first, and I'm still today, are the only offensive lineman to ever be drafted from Howard University to the National Football League.
1: Yeah, and that's the natural transition. You Like you said, college and then in the NFL, and you were there for five, six seasons, I thought? Correct.
0: That's correct.
1: Multiple teams. Did you actually play on the same team with your brother then? At- I did. Man, I how cool was did. that?
0: That was amazing to play with guys like my brother, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Bart Scott, just some phenomenal guys, Anthony Weaver. And to see a lot of guys that I played with are now either coaching or they are in great positions in the front office. You know, it's good to see a lot of my former teammates in brotherhood doing so well transitioning after the game, because unfortunately, Arnie, a lot of players don't do as well when it's time to leave the game.
1: Yeah, that kind of leads us into some of the talks that I've seen on your site and everything. And I mean, we just discussed the the, the spoiled milk moment at the beginning of this. Um, before we get into that, what coaches other, than, so your father obviously played a major role, but is there sure. a coach early in life that really sets you with some good words?
0: Yes, his name was Rob Jackson. He was my AAU 1200 basketball coach. I played for one season I played what's, and then on that team, Uh, All 12 of us went to play college sports on full rides. 10 of us played basketball, and two of us went to play uh, college football. But my coach, Rob Jackson, did a phenomenal job of teaching me about hard work, leadership, structure, dedication, discipline at a young age. And I still talk to Coach Jackson to this day through social media and the phone, because he instilled in me when I was 12 years old, over 25 years ago, the man I am today. So that was my first experience, Arnie, with a guy, a coach who helped me, other than, of course, my dad, get myself going on the right path.
1: All right. So speaking of that, I mean, you kind of answered this already. So it's cheating. Let's go a different route. You're going to take this DeLorean again. You're going to go back 20 years ago. Everything that you've learned for the past 20 years, you're going to talk to yourself that's having a bad time in the classroom. You're actually brought in to give a speech to the Howard University football team, even though you know your eyes are on yourself as a youngster. What speech are you giving to them?
0: It's all about don't let your ego. Get the best of you. I have an acronym for ego. Exaggerated, glorified opinions. You always exaggerate what you can do. You are always better than you think you are. You're always the best of the best. You can't be taught. You can't be beat. Glorified. You always want the glory on you. You're the glory hall. You want everybody to recognize you, praise you, and you always have opinions You always have to have that last word, that one up, that makes you feel like you're smarter, better than everybody else. And ego is what cost me my construction company. Ego is what cost me to almost be homeless. Ego cost me to go bankrupt, lose my home, lose all my cars, lose all my money, and be in a very destitute, desperate, almost desolate place when I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina in 2013. So I would tell my younger self, do not get mesmerized by early success. And for God's sakes, check your ego at the door.
1: Yeah, that's probably good advice for really anybody at any stage of their life. Um, Deloria, number three question before we get into your three pillars of success. So you're going to go back and point any, any point in NFL history, but it has to be from before you were born. You can spend a day with one player from NFL history or even a coach. What player and what day are you going to relive with them?
0: So do I, get a, do I get one player and one coach or just one total?
1: You know, you stole the keys to my DeLorean. I handed them to you. You can do whatever you want. I won't know because you'll come back to so now. So
0: I will take one player will be Walter Payton. You know, he's not my favorite player of all time. That's Barry Sanders. I love to spend a day with Walter because of the way his work ethic was. And then the coach, without a doubt, the man that the trophies named after, Vince Lombardi, <laughs> gave me one day to learn from him the greatness of what he did as a coach. How did he get players that were, of course, they were good players, Bart Starr, Paul Hornig, Ray Nitschke. I mean, those guys are Hall of Famers, Absolutely. Were they better than they played against? Oh, yeah. But were they the best of the best and the most talented of all time? Not even close. How did Vince Lombardi get the best of the best of the best average players of their time? Again, just being real, Paul Hornig, Ray it's like these guys didn't have superior talent, you know like a Jim Brown, you know, like a, um, a Red Grange. Like they didn't have that. But what they did have was great discipline, great teamwork, and they had a coach that led them all the way. So for me, I love to hear and just listen to Vince Lombardi in a team meeting, give a speech. Opening, middle, and I don't care. Just to hear him talk. That, to me, is who I would want
1: to listen to, Arnie. Yeah, I'd like to go back to, especially because over this podcast, I've learned a lot more about the man that he was as far as inclusivity and everything as far as his players. More than what I I mean, you, you said Barry Sanders you're talking to at arm's length. I got a Detroit Lions mug or any kind of Lions thing anywhere around me. And everyone that listens to the show knows Barry Sanders. I was going to be Barry Sanders till No one's Barry Sanders, you know, growing up, but yeah. So there's so much, I mean, obviously as a Lions fan Packers, you're like, you joke that they're your enemy, but I didn't realize how much of a a good man he was for his players. And again, inclusivity and everything else about it. So I can't argue there, even though as a Lions fan, I want to, but anyway, so uh, we're going to close it out. I'm going to general wrap session. You can have the open mic here. Let's tell the, the listener of the show about the three pillars of success.
0: The three pillars of success are as follows. Ambition drive, hard work. You have to have ambition in life. If you go through life with no ambition, Arnie, why are you here? If you have no purpose, if you have no passion or desire, you're going to go through life aimlessly without any sort of direction or any type of vision. Drive, be inspired over motivated. Motivation is for the short term, short term gain, short term notoriety, short term fame and inspirations about breathing life into people, helping people get their life on the right track. Again, a Vince Lombardi type of person. And then hard work, Arnie. Focus on yourself, not the competition. Be somebody that focuses on what you must do. Great quote by Jim Rohn, who's Tony Robbins' teacher. Discipline is the bridge between goals and accomplishments. Goals are what you want to do. Accomplishments are what you have done. Don't tell me about what you want to do, right? Tell me that one time. That's it. Tell me what you have done. What accomplishments have you finished? What have you done to be able to help others in their life. That's what I care about most. As a coach, while I work with a lot of people, I'm all about helping our clients turn their goals into accomplishments. When you live your life with discipline, focus, and drive, there's stuff that you can't get done. But again, be ambitious and have ambition. Create your roadmap, create your blueprint, be driven. Be inspiring, not motivating. And be hardworking. Focus on yourself and not the competition. Doing these three things, Arnie, gives you the best chance to achieve success.
1: And if anybody wants to learn more about you, Marcus, where would they go?
0: And go to our website, www.marcusmarquesogdenogden.com or shoot us an email Marcus at MarcusOgden.com or Marcus underscore Ogden at Yahoo.com. Connect with us. Reach out to us. Let's chat. All like talking people, see where they are and where they want to go to get to their finish line and beyond.
1: There you go. A career and life of ups and downs, learning all along the way, but also remembering There are people helping him steer the ship in the right direction. And it's just up to you, the individual who's listening to this right now, to continue to toss that coal in the fire and make sure you keep it in the right direction. Remember his three pillars of success. And again, there's so much more you can learn from Mr. Marcus Ogden and his coaching options over at his website, which is marcusogden.com, which is M-A-R-Q-U-E-S-O-G-D-E-N.com. Or you can click the link in the show notes as well and head over to SportsHistoryNetwork.com, which is the headquarters for sports yesteryear. But for now, dude, I'm through if you're through. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Football History Dude. To make sure you're the first to get the next
0: episode, please subscribe on your podcast player of choice and head on over to TheFootballHistoryDude.com for the show notes and more information on the history of the NFL. And remember, dudes, where we're going, we don't need roads.
1: Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear, and if you didn't know it already, We have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. This is Mark Mortier, and if you're a sports history fan like me, tune in and hear me talk about some great sports moments of the past. Growing
0: up during the 1970s, I got to watch some of the most iconic moments in sports history. Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. Willis Reed limping out of the locker room. Game 7 of the NBA Finals at Madison Square Garden as the fans erupted with a thunderous ovation. The 1980 miracle on ice as Team USA defeated the powerful Soviet Union in the Olympics. Listen every Tuesday on Yesterday's Sports.
1: How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to